Welcome to the Book Club Podcast. I'm Mr. Gray, and I'm here with three of my students today, and we're going to be talking about Percy Jackson's Greek Gods, a book by Rick Reardon. I'm going to have each of these three students introduce themselves with their name and something they love to do besides reading. I'm James, and I like to play baseball. I'm Ben, and I like to play sports. I'm Valentino, and like, and I like to do mountain biking. James, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what Percy Jackson's Greek Gods is about? Um, so Percy Jackson's Greek Gods is about the 12 gods and their stories. And the book begins with a story of creation, like when the earth was made. And then like, and then after the story of creation, it goes on to um, what Percy, the narrator, um, knows about the gods. Awesome. And we're going to have a celebrity reader read a section of this book for us. Ben, tell us who that celebrity reader is and what they're going to be reading for us. My the celebrity reader is my aunt, Lori Fair, and she will read like the first the like a little bit of the first chapter. Awesome. So we're gonna listen to that and then we'll come back and have a discussion about the book on the other end. Enjoy. This is Lori Fair, and I am reading the beginning and stuff, chapter one of Percy Jackson's um Percy Jackson's book. In the beginning, I wasn't there. I don't think the ancient Greeks were either. Nobody had a pen and paper to take notes, so I can't vouch for what follows, but I can tell you it's what the Greeks thought happened. At first, there was pretty much nothing, a lot of nothing. The first god, if you can call it that, was chaos, a gloomy, soupy mist with all the matter in the cosmos just drifting around. Here's a fact for you. Chaos literally, literally means the gap, and we're not talking about the clothing store. Eventually, chaos got less chaotic. Maybe it got bored with it being all gloomy and misty. Some of its matter collected and solidified into the earth, which unfortunately developed a living personality. She called herself Gaia, the Earth Mother. Now, Gaia was, was the actual Earth, the rocks, the hills, the valleys, the whole enchilada, but she could also take on human-like form. She liked to walk across the earth, which was basically walking across herself, in the shape of a matronly woman with a flowing green dress, curly black hair, and a serene smile on her face. The smile hid a nasty disposition. You'll see that soon enough. After a long time alone, Gaia looked up into the misty nothing above the earth and said to herself, You know what would be good? A sky. I could really go for a sky. And it would be nice if he was also a handsome man I could fall in love with because I'm kind of lonely down here with just these rocks. Either chaos heard her or cooperated, or Gaia simply willed it to happen. Above the earth, the sky formed a protective dome that was blue in the daytime and black at night. The sky named himself Oranos, and yeah, that's another spelling for Uranus. There's pretty much no way you can pronounce that name without people snickering. It just sounds wrong. Why didn't he just choose a better name for himself? Like the Deathbringer or Jose. I don't know, but it might explain my... Uranus was so cranky all the time. Like Gaia, Uranus could take a human shape and visit the Earth, which was good because the sky is way up there and long-distance relationships never work out. In physical form, he looked like a tall buff guy with long darkish hair. Longish dark hair. He only wore a loincloth and his skin changed color. Sometimes blue with cloudy patterns across his muscles. Sometimes dark with glimmering stars. Hey, Gaia dreamed, up him, dreamed him up to look like that. Don't blame me. Sometimes you'll see pictures of him holding a zodiac wheel, representing all the constellations that pass through the sky over and over for eternity. Anyway, Uranus and Gaia got married. Happily ever after? Not exactly. Part of the problem was that Chaos got a little creation happy. 
It thought its misty, gloomy self. Hey, earth and sky, that was fun. I wonder what else I could make. Soon it created all sorts of other problems. And by that I mean gods. Water collected out of the mist of chaos, pooled in the deepest parts of the earth, and formed the first seas, which naturally developed a consciousness. The god Pontus. And then chaos really went nuts and thought, I know, how about a dome like the sky? But at the bottom of the earth, that would be awesome. So another dome came into being beneath the earth, but it was dark and murky and generally not very nice, since it was always hidden from the light of the sky. This was Tartarus, the pit of evil. And as you can guess from the name, when he developed a godly personality, he didn't win any popularity contests. The problem was both Pontus and Tartarus liked Gaia, which put some pressure on her relationship with Uranus. A bunch of other primordial gods popped up, but if I tried to name them all, we'd be here for weeks. Chaos and Tartarus had a kid together. Don't ask how, I don't know. Called Nyx, who was the embodiment of night. Then Nyx, somehow, got all by, somehow all by herself, had a daughter named Himera. Who was the day? Who was day? Those two never got along because they were as different as, well, you know. According to some stories, Chaos also created Eros, the god of procreation. In other words, mommy gods and daddy gods having lots of little baby gods. Other stories claim Eros was the son of Aphrodite. We'll get to her later. I don't know which version is true, but I do know Gaia and Uranus started having kids with very mixed results. First, they had a batch of 12, six girls and six boys, called the Titans. These kids looked human, but they were much taller and more powerful. You'd figure 12 kids would be enough for anybody, right? I mean, with a family like that big, you've, got, you've basically got your own reality TV show. Plus, once the Titans were born, things started to go sour with Uranus and Gaia's marriage. Uranus spent a lot more time hanging out in the sky. He didn't visit. He didn't help with the kids. Gaia got resentful. The two of them started fighting, and as the kids grow older, Uranus would yell at them and basically act like a horrible dad. A few times, Gaia and Uranus tried to patch things up. Gaia decided maybe if they had another set of kids, it would bring them closer. I know, right? Bad idea. She gave birth to triplets. The problem? These new kids defined the word ugly. They were as big as strong as titans, except hulking and brutish and in desperate need of a body wax. Worst of all, each kid had a single eye in the middle of his forehead. Talk about a face only a mother could love. Well, Gaia loved these guys. She named them Elder Cyclopes, the Elder Cyclopes, and eventually they would spawn a whole new race of other lesser Cyclopes, but that was much later. When Uranus saw the Cyclopes, Cyclops triplets, he freaked. These cannot be my kids. They don't even look like me. They are your children, you deadbeat, Gaia screamed back. Don't you dare leave me to raise them on my own. Don't worry, I won't, Uranus growled. He stormed off and came back with thick chains made from the night sky's pure darkness. He bound up the Cyclopes and tossed them into, the t into Tartarus, who was the only part of creation where Uranus wouldn't have to look at them. Harsh, right? Gaia screamed and wailed, but Uranus refused to release the Cyclopes. No one else dared oppose his orders, because by this time he was getting a reputation as a pretty scary dude. I am the king of the universe, he bellowed. How could I not be? I am literally above everything else. I hate you, Gaia wailed. Bah, you will do as I say. I am the first and best of the primordial gods. I was born before you, Gaia protested. You wouldn't even be here if I didn't. Don't test me, he snarled. I've got plenty more chains of darkness. As you can guess, Gaia threw a total earthquake fit, but she didn't see what else she could do. Her first kids, the Titans, were almost adults now. They felt bad for Mom. They didn't like their dad much either. Gaia was always bad-mouthing him, for good reason. But the Titans were scared of Uranus and felt helpless to stop him. I have to keep it together for the kids, Gaia thought. Maybe I should give it one more try with Uranus. She arranged a nice romantic evening. Candles, roses, soft music. 
They must have rekindled some old magic, some of the old magic. A few months later, Kaya gave birth to one more set of triplets. As if she needed more proof that her marriage to Uranus was dead, the new kids were even more monstrous than the Cyclopes. Each one had a hundred arms all around his chest like sea urchin spines, and fifty tiny, teeny tiny heads clustered on his shoulders. It didn't matter to Gaia. She loved their little faces, all hundred and fifty of them. She called them the triplets. She called the triplets the hundred-handed ones. She'd barely had time to give them names, though, when Uranus marched over, took one look at them, and snatched them from Gaia's arms. Without a word, he, tra he wrapped them in chains and tossed them into Tartarus like bags of recycling. Clearly, the Sky Dude had issues. Okay, so that gives you a sense of what Percy Jackson's Greek Gods is all about. Um, who can tell me a little bit about how this connects to the original Percy Jackson series? Because this is kind of a spin-off book. So who can tell us a little bit about how it connects? Uh, it connects to the, the first books because, like, Percy Jackson is a, well, he's kind of not normal because he has different parents who are different bloods. And then it's like, you know, his parents are gods. Like, his parents is, one of his parents is a god. So it's like about, like, the other gods and their relationships, sort of. Yeah, so this book is set up as a series of stories that are about different gods. Who can tell us, uh, maybe each of you, what's one of the gods that stood out to you most? And what was the story about? And why did you like that story? Um, one of the gods I liked was Apollo. Because um, he he his mom, um, she had to run around um, while she was in late during labor, because Hera cursed her. Because um, she was mad at Zeus for, like um, having an affair with Leto, and um, when when he um got born, he he like grew up and then killed everyone that um that tried to hurt or kill Leto. So, I like him. Awesome. What about you, James? Um, so, I also like Apollo, but I like Poseidon more because um, so I also like swimming. When, um, and then, like, he's, like, the water god. And, like, his trident is pretty cool. And then, like, he um, in invented the horse, and I like horses. I like Ares because he's just really cool. He just goes around and kills people who doesn't he doesn't like. And then he has a pretty cool animal, the wild boar. It's like one of the nastiest creatures that can ever be created. Uh, we have a couple listener questions about what we've just been talking about. So um, first off, we've talked a little bit about how this book is connected to the main Percy Jackson series. Leo wants to know, um, does this book have spoilers for the main series or is it something that you can read in addition to the main series? What's the best way to approach this book? Um, so it's not really a spoiler, it's, but it can get you to understand um, the gods better. So if you don't really know any of the traits just by reading the Percy Jackson books, then you can read um, Greek gods as an addition. So you'd say that it gives you more information about the main series? Um, yeah. Awesome. Um, we also have people wondering about um, Percy Jackson having gods for parents, like Valentino said. What, is, what does that mean? Can you give more specifics about him having um, a god or gods for parents? Like, so basically to have a, like a god for 
a parent, you the the parent, the mortal parent must be have to be like a really attractive person, or else the god wouldn't like them. Because such as uh, um, Percy's dad was Poseidon, and then his mom was a mortal. So yeah. Awesome. Um, and one last listener question: This book, Greek Gods, Eric wants to know and Jared as well. Is this part of a series of books about Greek gods or is this just a standalone book? Um, well, there is another book, um, but it's not about Greek gods. It's about Greek heroes. It's not It's not really part of the series, um, uh, the other Percy Jackson series, but you can also read Greek heroes, which is pretty cool. Um, so also adding on to um, Ben's Greek gods, like I said before, is like an addition if you like, don't really understand the gods. Nice. Um, one of the things that we all seem to like about this book is that Percy learns lessons along the way from each of these stories about having Greek gods in the modern world. So could each of you tell me, um, you know, what's one lesson that Percy learns and what story does he learn it from? Um, so um, all the lessons sort of round up to the same thing. And um, they all round up to, like, don't mess with the gods or else, like, you'll regret it. Like, for example, I'm not going to spoil it too much, but there was this messed up guy. He started, uh, he started like, saying, oh, I'm better than Zeus. Why do you have to do that? And something very messy happened to him. So if you want to find out, you've got to read it. Um, also, um, another thing that connects to that is um, that a mortal learned how to actually kill another person. And he got invited to a feast, but then started doing something um, inappropriate with the gods. And he ended up getting punished a lot. One of the most interesting things about this book is that it discusses what it's like to have Greek gods that we think of as just mythological figures actually existing in our world. What do you think it would be like for you if gods were actually real? Um, I would probably be a little bit afraid, but I mean, at least I could go to someone to pray to, like besides God. God, God, yeah. capital G, God. <laughs> uh, I would also be scared because like if I mess up, then like I could like get sapped from the sky or I could like, there could be like a tsunami like coming to me. It would be pretty scary because it's like if you like say something bad about like one of the gods, like maybe Hades, then like Hades can just open a crack in the underworld and let the dead flow back into the earth and kill us all. Speaking of that, a couple of our listeners are really curious about some of the action in this book. So Jared's wondering if this is an action story or a calm story. And Hendrix is wondering if... uh, Percy or any of the gods do cool things like shoot lightning or anything like that. Can you tell us a little bit about how action-packed is this book for anybody who's interested in reading it? Um, well, there's a lot of action, and um, Zeus does end up zapping people. Um, but if there is also kind of calm sometimes, but not usually. Um, I agree with Ben. And for one correction, Percy is not a god. He's a demigod. Perfect. Good Good to know for sure. Um, one of the things you guys were telling me about before we started recording was how each of the gods has symbols that seem to represent them. Could each of you talk about one of these symbols and maybe why is it important to understand that there are symbols that represent the different gods? Um, so 
for Zeus, um, his sacred animal is an eagle, um, because like, um, because, um, like it's like eagles are cool, and then like it sort of flies in the air like really high, and then like Zeus is like the god of weather, and then like the clouds are high in the air, so and eagles fly high. Um, one of Zeus, uh, another one of Zeus's um, symbols is the lightning bolt, because um, in the story of creation, or um, when the gods destroyed the Titans, um, Cyclops is um, made three weapons for Zeus, Hades, and um, Poseidon, and Zeus got a lightning bolt. Like for another one, one of my favorite gods, Apollo, he has a lyre, a kind of a. Uh, represents him because he's sort of like a god of music and then he also has a bow because he's a really good hunter and he some people also say he's the god of the sun because he's just really flashy and stuff yeah sometimes symbols are really hard to get in a book but this is a nice introduction to symbols because they really connect with the gods and so we can understand them um one of the other sort of symbolic moments in the story is right at the beginning when we have this story of creation what was that story like for you guys? What was it like to imagine the world when it was just nature, before gods and before anything else? Uh, so it was sort of like, like for me, if I actually saw it, it would be like pretty chaotic because everything's like dark and murky. There's no gods, only chaos all around. So it would be pretty scary too because you're like the only thing that's alive. Um, I agree with Valentino, but I also think... I don't. I disagree with him on the murky and stuff because if it was just nature, um, there wouldn't be like cities or buildings, and it would just be like green and blue, and it'd be really pretty. Yeah, I agree with James. Uh, one of our <laughs> listeners, Eric, wants to know if you could choose to be a god, which one would you want to be? Um, I would want to be. Um, Apollo because I like music and it'd be fun to like learn how to um, do new instruments and do all those tricks with instruments too. I agree with James and I would like to be Apollo also because um, he like shoots. He, he's very good with a bow and it would be fun to like shoot stuff. Um, I actually like I actually like Hades because he's just he's just really cool. He can like raise dead people. He can uh, make people die. Yeah. All right, watch out for Valentino. Um, <laughs> if you could talk to Rick Reardon about this story, what's a question that you would want to ask him, or what's something that you would want to compliment him on for this book? Um, I would ask um, Mr. Reardon um, what inspired him to like write about the Greek gods. I would ask, why did you choose this book to write? Like, why did you choose to write about the gods? I would ask, why didn't you narrate it yourself? Why did you choose Percy to be the narrator? And that actually ties into a question that I have um, for the three of you. I think that Ben's point about having Percy as the narrator is really interesting. One of the things that's special about Percy is that he has a very specific voice. He is kind of irreverent, and he doesn't mind making a joke, even about serious things. One of the quotes that stood out to me in the book, um, Percy says, you can't swing a cat in ancient Greece without hitting one of Zeus's ex-girlfriends. So 
What do you guys think about Percy's voice and how he is as a narrator? What was that like for you as you read it? Um, I think he's like emphasizing the point that Zeus has a ton of girlfriends, but he breaks up with them because Hera, Hera might punish Zeus or the child. Was it appealing for you to read a story where the, the narrator is always making jokes like this? Well, so first of all, um, Percy has dyslexia, so um, he might not understand things as well as other people do. So um, I feel like he doesn't really know what's serious and what's not as serious. I think it makes it more appealing because of the jokes, because it will be pretty boring to just read a book like, oh, Zeus did this, Zeus did that, Hera did this, her did that, Demetrius did this, did that, yeah. Yeah, definitely. One of our listeners was asking about whether this is a nonfiction or a fiction book, and who can tell us, you know, why, even though this is about historical figures, why would we call this a fiction book? I think we would call it a fiction book because Percy, um, we don't really think he's real because he he's just a book character and he's narrating. And then like in Greek, um, like how, like in Greek, I um, they um, believe that like the 12 gods were up there watching them. I, um, I think... We call this fiction because nobody actually knows if they're real or not. And then, well, basically because there's not actual proof that they're like actually up there. So, yeah. Yeah. So we definitely recommend this book um, to learn more about the gods for sure. Um, but it's definitely a work of fiction with a narrator who is uh, fun and interesting and uh, adventurous. What would you say your final rating for this book is? I would rate it. Um, I would rate it five stars because I, I really liked this book and it was really funny. Um, I would rate it about like four point five stars because I learned a lot about the book, but then like some, um, there could be like more information about some gods maybe. Uh, I'd rate it a four point eight five because. Uh, it's, it has a lot about the gods, but then not, it's like, and it has a couple minor gods, but then if you're going to talk about minor gods, maybe talk a little bit more about them. So we have one last question from our listener, Josie. She wants to know what other books you all would recommend besides Percy Jackson's Greek gods. I would recommend Percy Jackson's Greek heroes. It's like the same as Percy Jackson's Greek gods, except it's about stories of heroes in Greek mythology. Um, I would recommend um, the rest of the Percy Jackson series. Um, the first book is Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Um, and the podcast is also on the same website by um, the other class. Uh, I'd, re- I'd recommend The King Chronicles, also by Rick Riordan. Uh, if you, like, if you uh, like Egyptian mythology, then yeah, you can. Awesome. Well, thank you all for sharing so much today. And thank you to our listeners for their great questions. We hope to see you next time again on the Book Club podcast.